Five Stones Church thanks you for listening to this message from Pastor Ryan Smith. For more information, events, and the latest news, consider connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Together, we can awaken a generation. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. Sound familiar? 1 Samuel 22. We were there two weeks ago, I believe. I didn't get finished. 1 Samuel 22. Just stand for the reading of God's Word. We want to make sure that uh, we honor the Scriptures appropriately. 1 Samuel 22, when you... When you get there, we'll read two verses of Scripture. Old Testament. Give me just a few minutes of your time. Can I have it, please? I know we praised a while and worshiped a while. And, and we've had, basically, I, you know, a lot of times we have altar service before we do anything else. We pray and worship, pray and worship some more, and worship and pray some more. I like it like that. I like the fact that we can do that. A lot of folks would say, well, you can't really deviate from the plan. Our plan is to follow God every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time we gather. And I'm glad we can. I felt a strong anointing when we were standing for this region. Anybody else? Don't, don't make me be the only one. If we, don't, if we don't really believe God to break the chains off of this community... You might as well go ahead and put that Bible back on your chair. That's why today's word is so important to me. Did you find 1 Samuel 22? Thank you. Verse 1. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and his father, father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him so he became the captain over them and there were about 400 men with him Lord add your blessings today take the next few moments of time use it in an unprecedented way Lord may our ears be attentive to hear may our spirits be receptive to receive I take dominion and authority over every hindrance every distraction may the next few moments be sovereign May we have a sobering encounter with your presence over the next few moments of the preached word. I surrender to you. I yield to you. Lord, I don't have the ability to take this narrative and break it down in a way that would help anyone without your spirit. So we invite your anointing to move and to speak profoundly over the next few moments. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Before you're seated, look at your neighbor and say, come out of the cave. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, come out of the cave. Come on, touch that other neighbor with the attitude and say, come out of the cave. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Come out of the cave. 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 You know, how many ever been on any kind of adventure where you went to a cave? It's a unique experience, isn't it? I remember the first time that Marcia and I and the boys went. Uh, I, I don't want to call her out, but she got a little nervous, a little claustrophobic. You know, caves are a, a unique dynamic in our life. Now, when you think about caves, I, I like the idea of exploring caves, but I have no desire to live in one. 
Now, back in the day, people would like to explore caves because they were looking for treasure. Now, I wouldn't mind finding a treasure in a cave, but I don't want to stay there to have the treasure. I mean, no, caves are not meant for permanent residence. Y'all didn't hear me. Caves are not meant or intended for permanent residence. Well, obviously, there's some reasons why. One, there's no light in them. I've been in some caves, and we got so deep, had they not had light that they put in there, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Because caves do not uh, provide natural light. So obviously a cave is not permanent because there's no light there. And obviously it's not a permanent residence because there's never been food there. There's not going to be food there. So caves can become great places of exploitation. And you can even spend some time in them. But you and I were never designed to live in a cave. Now, here's what you've got to understand, because I found myself in my lifetime wanting to hide and live in some caves. And I'm not talking about the natural type. I'm talking about caves as it relates to emotions, finances. Okay, y'all don't want to talk today. Nobody in this building's ever been overwhelmed that you want to hide in your cave. Anybody in this room been at wit's end, fed up, frustrated, discouraged, despondent? You might need to pinch your neighbor because apparently they're not hearing. You ever had some places where because of the traumatic events of life you wanted to hide? Have you ever been so filled with shame and guilt and remorse that you wanted to hide in a cave? And you said, you know what, I just want to live there. All of us have had events in life that has pushed us to the limit of us feeling like we want to retreat and hide in a cave. Am I right about that? Now here's the thing about a cave. A cave's not a bad place for you to go. You just can't stay there long term. It's a short term visit. And a lot of people, including your enemy, want you to think that if you visit a cave, that you're unspiritual. But the reality is, the cave can be a beneficial place for you to develop, to grow, to receive instructions, to be recalibrated. How many has had some times in a cave where you got recalibrated? Where God began to work and speak and you just needed to get out of the light long enough to, 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 to see the internalness of who you were? Anybody in this building know what I'm talking about? Do you realize no one goes through life untouched? By situations and circumstances and events, there's not a person in this room that can go through life without feeling the effects of things that are beyond our control. You know what drives us OCD people crazy? Okay, there's nobody OCD in here? Hallelujah, at least there's some honest folk in here. OCD drives us crazy because what happens is, is we like to be able to manipulate and control every element. <laughs> and there's just some times that things are uncontrollable. And, and people like us, okay, y'all don't want to talk, people like me, when life begins to put the squeeze on, 
and I feel the pressure of life mounting against me, whether it's emotional or spiritual or physical or relational, where do I want to go? I want to go to a dark place. I want to go to my cave. I want to go to a place of hiding. I want to go to a place of refuge. When you're at that place, how many know it's not bad to go there to recalibrate, but if you stay there, you become accustomed to darkness. And when you become accustomed to darkness, you begin to die a short, sudden death. Because you don't even realize how long you've been in a cave of darkness. And you don't realize how long you've went out, went along without the nutrients and the supply that you need. In 1 Samuel 22, I read this to you, uh, I guess, a couple weeks ago, and I began to, to dive into this, but I, I don't think you understand that caves have played a, a vital role in the Bible. In fact, the first cave that was ever mentioned in Scripture found Lot. You ever heard of him, Lot? You say, how did he end up in a cave? Well, you got to remember, God sent a mandate to the city of Sodom. And Lot got out barely. His wife, however, could not turn loose of the draw and the appeal of the past. And her life was turned to a pillar of salt. And the Bible says that Lot ended up in a cave with his two daughters. And what's sad about that is if you read Scripture at all, you will find out very little is ever written about Lot after that instance. Why? Because a cave will silence you. A cave will cause you to become non-existent. If you stay too long in your cave, it will steal your voice and it will steal your influence. And I don't want to die in any cave that are not designed for me. I don't want to die in anything that wasn't designed for me. And I sure don't want to lose my voice because I choose to retreat to a cave and never come out. Anybody in this building know what I'm talking about this morning? Anybody had depression push you in a cave? Come on, let's be real. Ever had the power of a force pushing against you and you couldn't even define what it is, but you found yourself in a spiritual cave? feeling lukewarm and apathetic. I hope I'm preaching to people that understand where I am because I'm about to give you a gospel message that's going to set you free. Because a lot of times your enemy is the one pointing the finger at you and says you're in the cave because of your own disobedience. And I want you to know right here, right now, that the enemy that you and I deal with is a liar, always has been a liar, and never has had the ability of truth within him. And many times the enemy says, you're in the cave because of your disobedience. You're in the cave because God wants to discipline you. You're in the cave because God doesn't love you. You're in the cave because you're not worthy. You're in the cave because you've failed. You're in the cave because you've messed up. I got news for you. I may be in the cave, but you can't keep me where I don't belong. I may be here, but I'm getting recalibrated while I'm here. I may be here, but there's something still moving in the dark place of my door. There's something, oh, I'm going to shout. There's something still moving in my dark places. In my place where it's cold. Where there's not much fellowship. Where I've become accustomed to the darkness. There's something moving. How many know that when you thought you were going to be able to hide from the presence of God? 
You thought you could hide from it. You thought you could go to your cave of isolation. You thought you could run from your troubles to a cave and the Lord would leave you alone. I know somebody said preach, preacher. I heard it. <laughs> How many felt like there was a place you could run to and hide and nobody would find you? One of, the, one of the great things about God is God can find you no matter how deep and dark your cave is. No matter what sent you to the cave, no matter what decisions you made, no matter what events happened in your life, no matter what tragedy has happened, the Lord can find you. And He's going to find you and He's going to send a word to you that you can't stay where you think you want to die. Look at the Scripture, can we? Come on, I'm not going to hold you long. You've got you to listen fast because I'm going to speak fast. Is that all right? Because, see, Satan's always been trying to, do, to, to destroy our confidence in a God who can see us through our tough, difficult times. David had departed. Why did he depart? Because he was under attack from Saul. He had been prophesied and anointed to be the king. However, Saul wasn't quite ready to give it up. And he escapes from, from the, 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 the attacks of an enemy. And he escapes to the cave of Adullam. See, after the last time I, I shared these verses, it, 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 it grew. My sermon grew. My thought grew. My, my meditation grew. Because I began to look at the cave as it relates to my life. And sometimes I don't look as, at caves as a, as a place of refuge. I kind of look at caves as a place for me to hide. And God says, you're looking at it wrong. He said, I didn't intend for you to live in caves, but I don't mind you visiting them until you get back where you need to be. I'm going to show you something that hopefully will help you today. Because, see, a lot of times we look at our caves as a place where we're hiding, and God's looking at it as a place where He can develop us. Because, see, you think, well, I'm going to go over here and hide. And God goes, yeah, but I'm going to use what you think is your isolation and your hiding place to develop you. And, and the reason He's going to develop you is because He never intended for you to live and exist and die in a cave. In fact, if you do any studying of Scripture at all, these that were in the cave of Adullam, when they came out, they came out as warriors, they came out as soldiers, they came out as militant men. They may have went in there afraid. They may have went in there bound. They may have went in there in debt. They may have went in there in discouragement. But they came out powerful. They came out mighty. They came out anointed. That's the kind of transformation I want for your life. I want you to come in here one way, but I want you to go out another. I want you to come in here with your hand against the wall, saying I can't take no more, but I want you to come out not with your hand against the wall, but your hand in the air saying my God has brought me out of my lowly dark place now here's what's beautiful about the story David went there by himself he went there on his own by his own accord he wasn't going there with the directive or the narrative of God he was going there to hide because he was sick and tired and exhausted from running from the thing that was trying to kill him. Aren't you tired of running? Aren't you tired of running from the same problem? Running from the same issue? From the same struggles? From the same weariness? Aren't you tired? Yes, you are. That's why you're in the cave. But I got... Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The Bible says... I get excited. You have to excuse me. Well, don't excuse me. Just accept me. Because there ain't no excuse for me. Except the Holy Ghost, and you can't argue with that. Here's the Bible. The Bible said he escaped 
escaped. How many know when you're escaping from something, you're not thinking about consequences? How many know he's not looking at the cave of Adullam as a place of restoration or, or, or mending or, or a place of recalibration? He's looking for a place to hide. Listen, listen, listen. The Bible says that when he got to the cave of Adullam, the Bible said that his brothers and his father's house heard it. I'm just, a, I'm just an elementary preacher. How did his brothers and his father's house know where he's hiding when he didn't announce he was going into hiding? Because if you tell, how many know, if you tell somebody where you're going, they tell somebody else. And if your enemy Saul, who is well connected, you're not going to tell anybody where you're planning on hiding because you don't want Saul to find you because he's done threatened to kill you multiple times and attempted such. So how many know, I don't really believe that David went around going, I'm going to the cave of Adullam. I'm going to the cave of, I'm going to go over there. It's right over here. here let me give you the GPS coordinates. Here's where I'm going. Would that not be foolish? When you go to your cave, you go there to hide. Why? Because you don't want nobody to find you. Come on, be real. You don't want nobody to find you. So David is in the cave of Adullam. But the Bible says that his father's house, his brothers show up there. They went to where he was. Now here's where I need to preach this. When they show up, do you know what God set in motion? God set in motion a confirmation of his calling. Okay, apparently you didn't get that. When his brothers showed up, see, those are the same brothers that thought they were going to be king. That's the same brothers who stood in line and the prophet said, no, 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 no. No, no. Jesse, do you have another boy? Yeah, I got one. He's on the outside over here tending to the sheep. Go get him. And David shows up and, and the prophet anoints him to be the king. Those same brothers got passed over. Those same brothers had every right to, to, to have a spirit of rejection and offense upon them. But happened... Apparently something happened that when David was running for them life, for his life and they found out where he was, they went to where David was. And by God sending his brothers and his father's house, it was a confirmation that they didn't see a cave, they saw a crown. I got some people coming to your life right now. They don't see the power of the cave. They see a prophetic crown on your life. And there's some people coming. Oh, glory, somebody ought to shout. There's some people coming to your life that sees the crown, not the cave. Come on, that would... Oh, come on, somebody ought to give God praise right there. Oh, no, 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 no. I said you ought to give God some praise right there. There's some people coming to your hiding cave. And they're showing up because God said, Go confirm to them their calling. You say, well, I don't want nobody to show up. You need God to confirm He called you. You need God to send some people into your life. And it may be the very ones that you thought would reject you. Oh, is this not good? Because I'm telling you right now, I'm about to have a Holy Ghost fit. 
Because I got to thinking about that, how many times I've been in a cave, how many times I've been lonely, how many times I felt overlooked, how many times I felt like I was running for my life, and God always, without fail, sent somebody into my life. He sent somebody to my cave. They didn't know how low I was. They didn't know how broke I was. They didn't know how frustrated I was. And they came to my cave, and they confirmed they didn't see a cave. They still saw the crown. They still saw the purpose. They still saw the destiny. I wouldn't still be here. Come on, baby, at least I get an amen from you. I wouldn't still be here had God not sent some people to confirm a calling. Marcia reminded me of it this week. Thanks, Dean. Where is Dean here this morning? What? Okay. Well, tell him I'm talking about him. Dean gave me a dream that he had in 1995. If you weren't here Wednesday night, you missed something. (laughs) My Lord. Now, you never know what God's going to do even on Wednesday night. And so Dean gave me a dream that he had in 19, a vision he had in 1995. And so I'm reading it in my office, and I asked Marcia, I said, where was we and what was going on in 1995? I'm going to tell you something. The, the dream that Dean had and, and, and what he showed me and what he believed God was about to do in this house, y'all better get comfortable with crowds. Y'all like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to be a part of a big church. What do you think heaven is? You better, you better get comfortable with large crowds. You in this building. I know y'all tired, but come on, stay with me. So Marsha reminded me where we were in 95 and what was going on in 95. And guess what was going on in my life in 95? I was in a cave. In fact, she reminded me of a specific moment where God said, come out of your cave. I was in the back room of our house. I did not want to leave our house. I did not want to go into the community. I did not want to go into the town. I was so broken by church. I felt raped. I felt taken advantage of. I didn't want to show my face in town. Not because I'd done anything, but because I was so demoralized by the threats and the attacks and the the, the aggravation of ministry. I was in the back room of the house. And there was a... My lovely wife goes to the door and opens the door and there's a man standing there and said, I need to see Pastor. I remember she walked into that back room. She said, said, there's a gentleman here to see me. I said, I don't want to see nobody. You ever been so broke that you didn't want to see nobody? Huh? Huh? Come on. You ever been so broke you didn't want to see nobody? You've been so frustrated with life you didn't want to see nothing. You didn't want to hope. You didn't want to believe in nothing. You just want to throw your hands up and go, God, you failed me. Thank you. Now I can quit. Is this too real? She went back and said, he don't want to talk to you. (laughs) And I didn't. He was very insistent. He was very persistent. Because when God sends folk into your cave, they're not coming there to, 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 to lay down in your cave and die with you. They came to help you come out of your cave. And so, so... I believe this gentleman's done passed on. Am I right? Has he done? I would imagine so at this point. 
This gentleman was about six foot seven. And I'd like to tell you, he was, he was a big, he was, a, he was about like a pencil. He was a little bitty man, real tall. He was tall as man I've been around. He's taller than Clay. He was a tall man. And, but he was like a pencil. I mean, he didn't have no strength, no muscle, nothing. He was very insistent. Marsh said, you need to go in there and see him. And finally, I mustered up enough confidence. Let me know when you're in a dark place, you don't even want to hardly get up. And I walked into that living room, and he was still standing at the front door. And Marsh will tell you, well, tell him what happened. Ryan fell into the arms of the little man. I couldn't even stand up. As soon as I saw him, I fell into his arms. Now, he ain't strong enough to even hold me. He held me. And I cried like a baby you ain't never seen cry. I wept till my eyes swelled shut. I wept and cried. He didn't have to say much. The very fact that God sent somebody to the cave. Because, see, you don't understand. You, you're trying to rebuke folk from coming into your cave. But the people God's sending into your cave, they're coming to confirm your purpose, your intention, your destiny. And they're trying to celebrate the crown, not the, not the cave. Boy, that preach right there. I need a church that'll listen. I tell you what, I'm going I'm to go find me someplace and want to have revival. Because that right there is the message of the world. They need to know that we have been commissioned into their cave to let them know we understand what it's like to be broken. We know what it's like to be rejected. We know what it's like to have fear that grips us. We know what anxiety feels like. We know what torment feels like. But we're here to celebrate. This place is not your destination. You're coming out of your cave in Jesus' name. That man saved my ministry and never knew it. Because I don't know what broke. I couldn't define it. I couldn't explain it. I don't understand it. All I know is I wept till I wanted to live again. I wept till I believed God could use me again. I wept till I wanted to come out of the house. Till I decided, you know what? This cave wasn't a bad place for me to be for a temporary location. But I wasn't designed to live in a cave. You're not designed to live in a cave. You're not designed to live in your depression. You're not designed to live in your anxieties or fear. You're designed to come out of the cave. And I've come into your cave on a Sunday morning to let you know He still believes in your destiny. Glory to God. You don't understand. You thought you'd just come to church because it was a good thing to do. No, 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 no. God ordains you to come here because I'm in your cave. And I'm telling you, I don't believe your cave is your final resting place. I don't believe what you're in right now is going to define your future. I know right now it looks pretty dark. I know right now it looks pretty bad. I know right now it looks like it's an impossibility. But I'm here to tell you, I still hear the word of the Lord that is a prophetic destiny for you. And you're coming out of your cave. You say, but I'm so maxed out, Pastor, I can't handle it. I'm telling you right now, that cave, he's sending some people to your cave. You got, how many's got lost loved ones? Don't you think he knows where they are? Don't you think he knows where that cave is? Don't you believe that he's got somebody somewhere? 
that he's going to put in the Holy Ghost radar. And he's going to begin to give them the, the GPS concordance to where they are. And he's going to begin to release them. And they're going to find the cave. And they're going to walk into the cave of your family's impossibilities and their bondages and their addictions and their behavioral malfunctions. And God's going to send some people. It may be the person sitting on the row eight, but He's going to send somebody into your family member's life and they're going to walk right into the cave and say, look, I know it looks hopeless. I know it looks impossible. But see, we've been sent of the Lord and we don't see your cave as an impossibility. It's just a temporary place. We still see the crown. We still see the future. We still see the healing. We still see the restoration. I want to be that kind of a person. Because if I can sow that kind of seed into your cave, I believe you can sow one into mine. Oh, glory. Glory. Man, that's a word right there for somebody. I'm telling you, that's a word for somebody. I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're even in this building, but that's a word for somebody. Because it's a a unique thing when you're in a cave because you feel like you're the only one that's ever been in a cave. You're the only one ever been depressed. You're the only one that's ever had struggles. You're the only one that felt like quitting. You know how many times I've pulled out the white flag of surrender? You wouldn't come back next week if I told you how many times. I didn't quit this morning. You ought to be glad to know that. And I've been in a cave this week. I'm okay. And I want you to think I'm on that kind of a watch. But I am saying, sometimes when you're in a cave, you think God doesn't know where you are. But God always knows what cave you're in. And see, God didn't send the brothers and the family to David to judge him for being in a cave. They didn't show up, give the word, and leave. They showed up and stayed a while. See, I don't want to just show up in your life and give you a word and then move on. I want to show up, get in there, and say, okay, now, I'm here with you. Because I know you're going to want to go back and lay your head on that rock. But that ain't God's best for you. I know you're going to want to go deeper into the cave because you really want to hide. But I'm just telling you right now, I'm not just in here to give you a word. I'm here to stay with you, to walk with you. We're on a journey together. We're going to carry this through. And I'm not about ready to turn my back on you because I know the enemy is going to show up and say, Stay in the cave, but I'm going to thunder prophetically. Come out of the cave. You stay long enough. Now, what's interesting to me? Y'all with me? Give, all right, give me ten minutes. Somebody said, this church lasts too long. It is what it is. You know it coming into it. If you get hungry, you got low sugar, be healed or bring you a snack. If you get grouchy, we'll give you a Snickers. I don't come in a hurry. I don't come in a hurry. Well, I told Marshall, I said, I prepare way too much stuff during the week. Because everybody wants me to fit this in a concise little box. I, I, don't, I don't work in those boxes. Those are, I work in the gray area. I try to work in the prophetic. Now, I want to show you something. The Bible says that his brothers who had been rejected showed up. And his family showed up, and they're there to declare, hey, we still believe in your calling, your purpose, and we're here to support you. Right on the heels of family comes the, the, the motley crew of misfits. Because, see, 
I'm going to break this down. Y'all going to walk out here going, wow. See, a lot of times, God will send family and friends and loved ones to support our dream. And we feel like they're there out of necessity or out of requirement. See, I've always said it really doesn't matter who attends your funeral because if, if they're sitting on the first three or four rows, that's family. They're, out of, they're there out of obligation. What really matters about your funeral, who's going to sit after the family? Is anybody going to fill up the back half of the, of the room? Because your family is going to show up out of obligation. But if you're making real impact, he's going, to, he's going to allow the misfits to be a part of your life because you made a contribution. Okay? So here's my thing. Here comes this motley crew. They're in debt. I, it, the Bible's real clear, isn't it? They're in distress. That means they're under pressure. They're in debt. That means they got liabilities. That's, that, thank you, Lord, for sending me folk with more liabilities than I got. Thank you, Lord, for sending me people more depressed than me. Come on. Well, thank you, Lord, for sending those that are discontented. He sent, God sent people that were angry and more bitter than David. wonder why God would rally up a troop of misfits and give them the same direction that he gave the family. Because if you cannot accept family, you'll never accept the next level of God's gift to you. I'm going to break this down with your mind a little bit and then let your spirit digest it. Because, see, here's the thing. David rejected his brothers and his father. And, see, because they were prophesying over him, they were saying, look, you're to be king. But he wasn't feeling like king material. He wasn't feeling royal. But when the brothers showed up and the fathers, how many know, they spoke and interjected into him the belief that, hey, wait a minute, I can still be king. But you can't be king over nothing until God gives you something to believe that you can be king. So here comes the misfits, and they all show up and go, look, we're broke. We got liabilities. We're bitter. We're angry. We're jacked up. Got room in the cave for us. They always said misery loves company. And they come to the cave, 400 men. And here's what's beautiful about that. Every one of those that came in there came in in a worse condition than what David was in. So what God do? God goes, look, I know you're feeling sorry for you, but I sent you a word prophetically through your brothers and through your father that you have still got a destiny. And if you're doubting it, let me send you a whole group of misfits that see you as a king. How many know most good church folk would rebuke that crowd? Be like, God, don't send me more broke folk. Don't send me more people that are angrier than I am. Don't send me bitter people. Don't send me people that are dis... Don't send... Lord, don't send that. But the very people that you are intended to, to lead out of their cave, you'll never lead them out till you realize that you have been equipped to lead them out. And you can't be equipped to lead them out till you first hear the voice of your brothers and your family. you with me in this place? Is that too deep? Y'all looking at me like, what? See, if God would have sent the misfits first and not gave David confirmation of his calling, he would have never taken it as a, as a galvanizing of his commitment to his plan. So God had to send a prophetic voice to confirm his future. 
so that when he sent the misfits, he didn't rebuke them, but then he could lead them, see. Because the Bible says that David became, became their commander. When? When they showed up. Why? Because David had already recalibrated. David got recalibrated in the cave as soon as he got the prophetic word that there was still a crown in his future. So then God said, he accepted that. If he accepted that, let me send the misfits. The misfits come, and David goes, listen, I'm going to lead you out of the cave because I know the way out. How can you lead anybody out of something that you don't have an assurance that it's coming for you? You've got to believe you can come out before you can ever bring somebody else out. Glory, 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 glory. Come on, I'm done. I, I, I... Man, this, was, this meant so much to me. And I'm not trying to judge it on your response. But man, I sure know what it feels like to be in a cave. And I know what it feels like to be in a cave that I didn't want to leave. And I thought to God that surely there was somebody in this room that knew what it felt like to be in a cave. And that there was somebody that God would allow me to come like the brothers to David and say to you, I know you see the cave, but I see a crown for you. I see a purpose for you. I see a destiny for you. I see something far beyond what you can comprehend. You've been in a cave long enough, all you can see is dark. I want to bring light to your cave. And I want to prophesy that you're about to come out of what you thought you were never going to leave. Come on, stand with me in this room. Five Stones Church thanks you for listening to this message from Pastor Ryan Smith. For more information, events, and the latest news, consider connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Together, we can awaken a generation. Five Stones Church thanks you for listening to this